because they've been hanging out with Hunter for months, you know, just up there drinking with him in his bar and doing all of that. So we got all the mannerisms down point. Yeah. We have to watch that. I haven't seen that one. So. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. It is very hollow. Yeah, uh, maybe it's because the door's open. Can you crank the volume a bit? Yeah. Is that better? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, maybe the door, I may have to close the door. We're, we're leaking all our sound out into the universe. <laughs> Either way, welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting mistakes were made as Kristen gets up and walks away from me in the middle I of the intro the to fix our sound problems. There we go. Now it's just the dishwasher. <laughs> That's my bad. I was trying to provide you with a nice, clean home. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Quit beating me. You don't appreciate anything <laughs> I do for you. I don't know if I did it three times already. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. <laughs> Presenting the stakes were made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the... Wing Queen? Wing Queen, Kristen Pennington. Technically, you're the... The, the wing, wing king. king. But I found the wings. <laughs> and they were the only wings left to be had because... In all of Missoula, we found the last one. Keep buying all the fucking chicken. <laughs> oh my god. So we had a good day today. We yeah. uh, slept in, ate breakfast burritos, drove around in the mountains for a little bit, got the grocery shopping done, you showered, and here we fucking are. And the dog's already trying to kill the cat. <laughs> uh, but we were talking before we hit... Or before I hit record... About uh, Johnny Depp, if you guys were curious, and uh, Kristen had never seen Fear and Loathing, so she doesn't know about Johnny's thing. But that is a cool segue, because tonight we're also going to break Kristen's Scarface virginity. She's never seen <laughs> Scarface. Her Al Pacino hymen is about to be shattered. I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> what I love it. why are we... We're watching it because I read an article first thing this morning when I was like, okay, well, how's my day going to go? Thinking, you know, COVID, which it, thing of the past, as you guys know, it, it you know, it's over now. Thank <laughs> God. Um, I wanted to see kind of how the COVID numbers were looking, seeing if I missed any big news, you know, what's going on in Syria type of stuff I like to wake up to with my morning cup of coffee. Also, and just I, uh, avoiding getting out of bed. Yeah, <laughs> and I discovered that they are remaking Scarface, which we've talked about on this show is one of our no-touch movies. You can't touch The Godfather. You can't touch Scarface. But they're touching Scarface, for sure. This is a thing that they are trying to do, and it's a mistake. You seem and like then, you have feelings Well, because it. then I went out on the patio because <laughs> I just wanted the IMDB scores for the fucking... Um, Scarface thing, and I was like, well, you know, they'll never touch The Godfather. And then I look up, and yeah, they're trying to touch The Godfather, too. Leave them the fuck alone, people. Leave them the fuck alone. They said that was an older article, so... Yeah, it was 2015. They wanted Johnny Depp to play Al Pacino. No, 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 no. Michael Corleone is Al Pacino. (laughs) Vito Corleone is Marlon Brando. You're never going to have that again. You're never, 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 never in the history of things. The guy who played Fredo is dead, so that's an out. The guy who played Tom Hagen is dead, so that's an out. But if somebody offered you the role, would you take it? No. (laughs) No, it is career suicide. I was reading shit today. People want Michael B. Jordan to play Scarface, which I'm I'm not against for racial reasons at all, uh, uh, period. The original Scarface is an older film. I can't remember, you know, I think it was like in the 40s. Um, 
but that was a white dude taking over Chicago. And then there's 83's classic with Pacino, uh, where he's a Cuban refugee in Miami. So, like, the, the story of Scarface bends around, you know, as much as it wants to. But nobody remembers the original. Nobody's going to remember this remake. Leave it the fuck alone. <laughs> Al Pacino is an Italian-American. He played a Cuban refugee. Okay, that's what we mean. What are you going to do if you watch it and you like it better? I'm not. I'm not going to like it better. There's no way. And I'm going to prove it to you tonight because after this, we're going to sit down. It's almost three hours long. We're going to eat wings. We're going to drink beer. We're going to watch fucking Scarface because I cannot believe that you've never seen this but movie. But what if it's like Joker level? Like <sighs> There is no original Joker. Like, there's no, there's yeah, no there's Scarface so, of the Batman community. There's so many versions of Joker out there. Yeah. And, like, everybody was like, Keith Ledger's is the untouchable performance, and then... Well, like, if Joaquin you would have given... nailed it. If nobody could do Joker since Heath for 40 years, <laughs> and then you tried to do it, I might have a problem. It would have been like, you're never going to touch Heath Ledger, and then you might blow my mind. But, you no, know, you're not allowed to touch it. You're going to fuck it up. You, you're not going to impress people. Make a new film. Oh, ye of little faith. I, I like Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> he was in the Creed movies, right? That dude? I have no idea. He played, like, the Black Rocky? Yeah, I don't watch all these guy movies. <laughs> That's what you were saying earlier. We <laughs> all were these talking, guy movies. You were like, well, you've never seen Casablanca. And I was like, facts. I'm, 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 not for lack of trying. It's never on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to... Trying to school me with your film yeah. history. I got some stuff you haven't seen. Is there a reason why you've never seen Scarface? Or is it just, I just never I just never got to it? Never um, tickled your fancy? I don't remember. My, my parents were like really big, uh, like movie and music and like buffs in general of like collecting like the arts. Yeah. Um, whenever I was growing up, and my mom just had this outrageously large DVD collection. Like she had this giant um i think like four shelf wooden cabinet that had like doors on it that would close so you, it looked all pretty and then you'd open it up and it would be like movies stacked in front of movies stacked on yeah. top of movies like an outrage like hundreds of movies mm. um and she may have had scarface i'm not sure but I, I don't think if she did it was like one that my dad like preferred over the godfather like he definitely yeah. well there's a huge argument to be made between which one is the better i do stand in the godfather camp i will forever be in that camp just because it's a it's a slower drama it's like a you know like a nice rich wine yeah uh, godfather one and two are untouchable godfather three arguably one of the worst films ever made <laughs> completely unnecessary <laughs> Which like I said, I don't remember, to be honest, whether or not we owned Scarface, so maybe that's why I'd never watched yeah. it. Maybe we just never owned it. But I do remember my dad really liked The Godfather, so... What are you doing? <laughs> the cats are back here. I've got people calling what? me on my cell phone. The cat's fucking... Nobody's tried to do anything with me all day. Fuck off. Seriously? <laughs> I'm going to move him. All right. We're off to a rocky start. Fuck <laughs> off. So it was just that your parents didn't have it in the house, well, they, you think? They may have. I'm, I'm not sure, but I just, I know 
my dad, like I said, like definitely preferred The Godfather if they did own it. So yeah. anytime it was like a Italian mafia mm-hmm. gangster type movie night, he was definitely watching The Godfather. Yeah, but I would I would also like if I'm gonna rank them, I'm throwing Goodfellas in the mix as far as ga- you know gangster films. I've, mm-hmm. I've definitely seen Goodfellas more times than I've seen either The Godfather or Scarface. It's one of my favorite movies I think I've in my seen top Goodfellas tier. Once. I don't think I've probably seen it with once. me. <laughs> no, you and I haven't watched it together. We, we've never watched yeah. Goodfellas. No, I, th- I think I saw it once, like, God damn. years ago, though. We did watch... You a clown? The Do first... I fucking amuse you? <laughs> we did watch the first Godfather yeah. together. I don't Maybe think the we... second? I don't think we made it to the second one, because the first one is so... Again, it's a three-hour fucking movie, so it's hard to, you know, the next day be like, Hey, you want to watch part two? Unless you're really... <laughs> Sit down and do this again. Yeah. Cause I, and the problem is, if you do give it space between the two movies, you have to go back and rewatch the first one, or you're not going to remember how the characters all line up, who's where, you know. Yeah, which was kind of my downfall whenever we watched, uh, fuck, the Devil's Rejects movies. Yeah. Like, we watched the We watched them out of one, order. And, well, yeah, we definitely watched them out of order, but when we watched the most recent one, I hadn't seen... Like either the first or second House one. So, yeah. And so long I was like, uh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're doing this in part because I have been bouncing around this idea of doing these deep dives um, where we watch these classic films and we study up on the history of them and the director's history and the actor's history and probably deliver like one a month, you know, something like that, uh, trying to come up with some sort of a Patreon idea. Um, and I thought, you know, familiarizing ourselves with some of these bigger named films, we want to do The Joker for sure, because yeah. I, I absolutely love that. I can sit through that again. Uh, maybe Scarface, definitely, like The Godfather, definitely Goodfellas, now that I've discovered that we've not watched that together. Uh, but do these series-type things, where it would be two or three episodes about a particular film and dive into all the different angles. The writing, how it was shot, how the lighting worked, how the sound kind of comes through, where those sounds came in. Color theory. Color theory. I'm a fan of color theory. Yeah, like there's a beautiful scene in The Godfather um, where you see the ghost. Do you remember the ghost? I remember you pointing it out to me. Yeah, it happens in the... when it happens. happens in the funeral scene um, after Vito's passed away. Uh, where all the before the baptism by fire at the very end where he's sitting down in the chair and the tuxedos kind of blend into each other almost and you can see a woman from the editing bay and her face is transposed into the thing so like it passes underneath somebody's arm you just see this woman staring at you in this dude's tuxedo but like little details like that that's what I would like I don't think I'd ever heard that until you actually told me that yeah my dad told I've got the old box set back there the DVD collection um, and that's got all the you know background information that you could ever want about it in a fourth dvd um but my dad told me about it the first time we sat down and watched it when i was like 12 he was like you're gonna see the ghost face and i was like the ghost face (laughs) yeah it's gonna make that horse head look like fucking nothing because it's trippy as shit (laughs) that's funny was that uh was your dad like in the those type of movies yeah my dad liked um like the long drama type things he liked you know fast action type stuff but it was mostly like war films loved platoon apocalypse now black hawk down he was really into those type of movies but he liked the italian-american you know gangster mafiosa type shit a lot too he wasn't into like 
Fast and Furious, you know, those type of dumbass yeah. action films, but he liked plot-driven actions. He liked uh, Perfect Storm, was like one of his big ones that he enjoyed. It's another long movie. Yeah. He liked, you know, if Dad was watching a film, he was sitting down for hours. <laughs> he was not investing his time in an hour and 25 minute long, you know, thing. It, so this it is, didn't make sense This to is him. what we need to do when we finally get out of our one bedroom apartment and get a house. We should have our own little mini theater room. I'm down. So we can just, like, have a projector and have three yeah. hour long movie sessions oh, in our little I've reclining never, chairs. Yeah, I've never seen Apocalypse Now. You haven't? No. It's almost five hours long. Why would I do that to myself? <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I need to sit down and watch it. I've seen the key scenes, you know. The I love the smell of napalm in the morning and the fucking, the very end where Marlon Brando dies. And um, I'm familiar with what it's about. I've seen the scene where What's-His-Nuts rolls up, the photographer journalist dude rolls up on the tribe out in the middle of the fucking jungle and they're explaining everything to him. I've seen, like, the big scenes. I've just never sat through the entirety of Apocalypse Now because I don't have five and a half hours. I don't know if I have either now that I think about that. I've definitely, and that was one of the movies we studied in school, I've definitely seen, like... The major scenes. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen it either. Hmm. We, we should buy it. Just one Sunday, started at noon, <laughs> ended around dinner time. <laughs> I will not be deep diving into a five-hour movie, though. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm going to baby step into that, because I'll probably uh, panic and butcher it the first time around. <laughs> you guys will just be listening to me go, ah, uh, like, I forgot uh, everything that happened. Uh, well, Joey Diaz on his podcast, he was telling a story a while ago where when that movie first came out, you could go and you know watch it at the movie theater and shit like that, and him and his friends all took acid and went and saw Apocalypse Now, and I'm like, that sounds like the worst day uh, yeah. ever. <laughs> Being in a crowded theater for that long Tripping the fuck yeah, out. <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun at all. Get up and go to the bathroom, forget that you're in the movie theater. Just wander out in the street. Somebody picks you up and now you're a hitchhiker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to do those deep dives into the big ones. And I'm very excited that you get to see Scarface for the first time. Because, you know, 15 fucking years ago was probably the first time I saw Scarface. Maybe even longer than that. When was but, the last time you saw it? Uh, it's probably been three or four years. I, say, I don't think we've watched it at all. But mm -mm. I don't think you've watched it all the entire time we've been dating. No, nope. so. it, it had to have been before, and probably a year or two before then. Cause Subjected you to all these two stars since then. Yeah. <laughs> so the quality I, of your movies is just I, tanked. I need to watch the classics. <laughs> Please give me back Goodfellas. I used to watch it once a month. Oh, a memory popped up on my Facebook. I think it was yesterday, maybe, of whenever we did our uh, Two Star for Naked. And I was like, we got to revisit the rom-com. I'm going to subject you to one again. Yeah, I'll do a rom-com. If you can find one, you know, I'm down. I didn't hate Naked. I didn't think it was, it was great. Silly. It was dumb. But <laughs> we got to do a... What's the premise? Black Dick. That's the premise. <laughs> we got to find a new rom-com Two Star. Because uh, it's been a year. So it's it's time to torture I can, uh, you. Okay, I'll do one. I'm <laughs> making you sit through Scarface so I can sit through a rom-com. <laughs> um, don't really have a segue into the small list of topics I have outside of that is... Um, I was reading an article earlier from a high school English teacher. I, I, I follow this thing called a literary hub that's on my you know news app on my computer. I can't remember the lady's name, but... Uh, she was explaining, like, the importance of reading difficult novels, you know, mm -hmm. as a teenager, why you get those quote-unquote, like, depressing 
uh, stories, you know, to kill a mockingbird. And, like, every story, somebody's got to get raped or murdered or fucking sodomized, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, they're... like my last, uh... shoot, I can't remember what it was called, but my last uh, English class where it was, like, a yeah. studying literature-type class that I had to do in college was, like, all, like slave literature the entire yep. semester which is like well now I feel bad yep here I am reading Frederick Douglass once again just feeling bad <laughs> about my skin I'm color I'm just gonna be white in the south reading this shit and going oh my fucking god we were mean those were probably my great grandparents yep, definitely not mine that's what I like is I've done the ancestry.com thing we were German immigrants in Michigan had fuck all to do with slavery we were too poor <laughs> to be involved we were probably the slaves <laughs> We were up in Pennsylvania for a long time, you know, just being all white. (laughs) Joined the Union side of the Civil War. I've done the ancestry to see, like, my nationality mix, I guess, but I've not done the deep dive into what all those individual people were doing, so there's a solid chance. Yeah, I have no idea what happened on my mom's side of the family. She's from England. We were probably shipping people on the boats. (laughs) (laughs) Just in the West Indies, like, get on the ships! Yeah, this importance of uh, reading difficult things. That got me to thinking about watching difficult things because I'm a writer, you're a filmmaker. Um, But when you do shit like that, it challenges your perception, it challenges your worldview just a little bit. I would argue, I think, though... I don't think we're going to become cocaine cowboys after watching Scarface, but you'll sympathize with a drug dealer. Fear and loathing, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) just kidding. But you'll sympathize with a drug dealer. I, I think... Honestly, though, there's a, a finessing that has to be done to it. I feel like whenever you're in school and they, like, just kind of shove that type of, like, literature at you yeah. nonstop, like, you kind of, it's, I don't know, either desensitize or become resentful of, like, mm-hmm. someone trying to force a message on you. I think when you find those works naturally or you choose to embrace those works yourself, they're a bit more meaningful. Yeah, there was a whole semester when I was in high school with this, I'm not going to name her. I'm not giving her a name. She does not deserve a name. But I had a an English teacher that fucking hated me, and the feeling was mutual. <laughs> she, for like half of the semester, we read nothing but um, books written by Jews who'd survived the Holocaust. Okay, by the end of the semester, I had bought Mein Kampf and read Mein Kampf because I was like, I get it. They got on the trains. They died. I need to know the context of what was going on in this country. Let me buy their president's book <laughs> to see what the fuck was going on politically here. And when I showed up in that classroom with Mein Kampf, you know, <laughs> I'm just like reading it before class. Like, okay, well, I read the, you know, the Jewish, I got on a train and all my family got killed. Uh, let me read this other part over here to kind of see what the guards were thinking. Instead of praising me for trying to open up my worldview of the situation, her and I would just get in daily screaming matches and I would spend almost the entire class out in the hallway. She (laughs) thought that I hated Jews. And I was like, I don't hate Jews. I like reading shit like this. You know, I need to understand what Hitler's mindset was that created... No, I needed to understand why they were on the trains. Granted, there's no good reason for that to have happened. It's a terrible fucking thing. I hate that I even have to, you know, say that it's a terrible fucking thing. But I'm a bald white guy, so I have to. <clears throat> but yet, I just wanted to read the opposition view yeah. to the situation because she was cramming the Holocaust material down my throat. Read Diary of Anne Frank. That's all you need. <laughs> read some, you know... 
nonfiction about the Holocaust. You don't need to read fictional, you know, recreations. The actual story's too fucked up. Yeah. But it and does challenge your worldview. But I don't need to read, like, Holocaust diaries to know that killing six million people is bad. If I killed neighbor Greg, that would be terrible. If I killed six million of him, that would be six million <laughs> times worse than killing Greg. <laughs> yeah, but I do, I do feel like, I mean, I definitely agree it does change your worldview. But I do feel like when you come across those things, either naturally or like it's a bit more like willing embracing of those things like it's definitely more impactful because there were tons of assignments whenever i was like in high school or like early college whenever Mm -hmm. i had like before i had to like take time off and then come back to college like where i was just like oh there's another fucking book i gotta read (laughs) about whatever this fucking subject is you know and like it's just like I don't know, you don't really, like, connect with it when it's, like, you have to do this, and you have to study this, and you have to come back with these answers, otherwise you're going to fail this yeah. class. So, like... It does what math did to me, where it's, like, you're shoving it down yeah. my throat. I no longer find this interesting, and that's why a lot of people don't read post-high school. Yeah, know? and I feel like a lot of the, like, the classic, quote-unquote, classic literature that they, like, shove down your mm-hmm. throat, like, in middle school and high school when you're honestly probably too young to understand those concepts... Yeah. Why are you reading Shakespeare when you're yeah. 14? Like, you can't drive. You're not going to be able to wrap your head around Macbeth. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> it bores you to these concepts that they want you to learn and appreciate and stuff. So, like, yeah, like most people give up reading mm-hmm. or give up, you know, analytically studying stuff or whatever. And then they're just like, oh, like, I just want to watch a Michael Bay movie where things go boom. <laughs> they just blow up. No, you... I'm a big fan of the accelerated reader model, which is you need to read X amount of books, pass X amount of tests, go find your books. I get that there are big ones that you should read. Again, growing up in the South, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. You need to read that as a teenager, but you can grasp To Kill a Mockingbird at 15. You know, it's not Shawshank Redemption. You know, I'm not trying to ask you to, you know, blow your fucking mind out. I just understand that racism is bad. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Was your, like, do you have one book in particular that you remember reading and being like, oh, like, that's kind of deeper? Well, the big one for me in high school, and high school is like a blur because uh, trauma. Um, so <laughs> uh, the big one for me was my senior year English teacher, Miss Wolf, that I've talked about, I believe, on here. She threw a stapler at my head. She had none of my shit. She was not putting up with my antics mm-hmm. as a teenager and she probably saved my fucking life. She's the reason why I do what I do and God bless her. Um, but we were going to read Romeo and Juliet, which we'd read freshman year at the end of our senior year. And I was like, I can't do that. I've read it. I've read it on my off time to try to get an appreciation for it. Don't give a flying fuck about Romeo and Juliet. So her and I got in this back and forth and then she settled down and I settled down. And the next morning when I came in, Instead of doing Romeo and Juliet, she asked everybody in the room if they'd already read that. Everybody was like, yeah, we already did that. She goes, great. And then she popped out Macbeth and was like, we're reading Macbeth, <laughs> which she had a big poster in, you know, the, on the wall, the, mm-hmm. you know, out damn spot, out ye um, thing. And that's the big one that I remember from high school. I hate Shakespeare. I read Macbeth probably five times just to pass her tests. And I enjoyed every second of every reading. I love Macbeth. It's a murder mystery, not a murder mystery, but you know, a murder thriller. When you really look at it, she bent the way that I perceived Shakespeare 
by going, fine, you think it's all just fun and games. Here's a guy who kills a guy and has to keep killing so that nobody finds out that he's a killer. So it's a story about a serial killer. That's how she sent it to me. You like serial killers? Here's Macbeth. (laughs) Was that the first time you'd ever read it? Yeah. I'd never read it before. I was like 17. And, uh... That was the big one for me. It was a, there's a teacher who saw the problem, which is, I, I don't care. It's not that I don't understand Shakespeare. I don't care. <laughs> so she made me care about what she had to teach me by kind of bending what it was that she taught. She could have gone, you know, Romeo and Juliet again. No, here's a thing where every other page somebody's getting beheaded. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's going to be able to grasp the concept. But it challenges your worldview. It challenges the way you look at things, you know? Those, the boring ones, just, I, I can't stand them. I've talked on here before about, like, if it was written before the 70s, I, <laughs> that, that was a different world. Like, pre-Vietnam is not post-Vietnam America. Pre-9-11 is not post-9-11 America. But we have more in common with those 60s and 70s than we do with... 1845, you know, I've tried to read Moby Dick fucking 10 times in my life. I can't hardly make it through the first chapter. I think that's my problem too sometimes, which it does add context. The old man in the sea is this thin. You could read it in an afternoon on accident. It's a pamphlet. It's the same story. Hemingway retold Moby Dick. He did it uh, without all the bullshit. Don't have to call anybody Ishmael. (laughs) I think that is my problem. Though with some of the like classic like works that they make you read in school is uh the way that it's written is so far removed from the way that we speak now that sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just like what did you just say yeah. like let me reread that line again because I I like Mark Twain but try to read Mark Twain <laughs> you will want to kill yourself <laughs> you're like I get it you're smart this is a cool story about a kid I'd rather read Cormac McCarthy. I think weirdly, and this is going to sound cliche, probably, I guess. I think weirdly for me, it might have been um, the Lord of the Rings books. Because mm-hmm. I, I chose to read those. Those weren't like books I was assigned or anything like that whenever I was in high school, I think. Um, and there was a movie for them, too. So you could conceptualize that big world, well, finally. I read them first. Yeah. So um, I, I read them before I think even the first movie had ever come out. So, um when the movie came out, I was actually a little frustrated by the things that were different <laughs> from the book. Cause yeah. to be that, that person that's like, well, I've read the book. It's like, well, J.R.L. <laughs> Tolkien spent a whole 45 fucking pages explaining the Shire and Tom you've not spent 45 completely minutes left out of the movie. <laughs> um, no, but like, I've um, got the Godfather book over there. We can compare the two of them too. <laughs> but no, like, um, that aside, like, yeah, I was a little frustrated with some of the stuff that they changed in the movie, but it's a dry read for sure. I will mm-hmm. agree that J.R.R. Uh, really expands things that maybe don't need to be yeah. <laughs> expanded. Which it, it works, you know, for some people and it doesn't work for others. I hate J.R.R. Tolkien. I will openly say <laughs> that. I couldn't stand those fucking books. I didn't make it through The Hobbit. I refuse. The Hobbit's a much easier read, too. Yeah, and it funny. sucks. It's boring. Um, but I can also read The Shining by Stephen King, where he talks about the color of a man's shirt for ten pages. <laughs> and it doesn't bug me, because I like Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I probably honestly, I don't know, maybe one day in my life, but not anytime soon, mm. like would reread the books. I, I, they're not a thing that I really have any desire yeah. to reread, but like 
I... Is it still a better love story than Twilight? For sure. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've always kind of, like, enjoyed, like, fantasy and sci-fi and stuff like that um, in general. So I think for me, like, having this book that is this fantasy made-up world kind of trying to address very real-world mm-hmm. things, like, made it, like easier to appreciate i guess like the concepts or the story yeah, so itself like it, i mean there's a lot of like social issues and stuff in yeah. the lord of the rings like it's like race wars like actual like wars between nations like all this like stuff that you're kind of like if you take time to think about it, it's like oh that's like the same yeah. thing that that's one of my notes that i've got written down is i learned that like i, I understood that i think before college um that reading these more difficult things and not difficult as in difficult to read, but you know, difficult topics, difficult things to think about, you know, things that have rapes and murders and shit like that. Um, when I took a utopian fiction course and so all the books that we were reading were these utopian books, um, which are the opposite of dystopias, which dystopias are always more fun. Utopias are like, you know, we're trying to build a fictional blueprint of a perfect world. Um, but by reading, you know, like Le Guin and, and all that type of shit, uh, Ecotopia or whatever the name of that fucking thing mm-hmm. was, where it was all about, you know, Greenpeace. If Greenpeace had their entire way of the world and they're at war with the rest of the states. And um, it forces you to think about those larger issues. You know, if they've got a town that's completely made out of shrubbery, what are we doing with our waste? <laughs> yeah. You've got 1984, the classic, the greatest dystopian novel ever written. They, it, it's basically modern day America as far as foreign policy is concerned. They were always at war with Eurasia because they'd always been at war with Eurasia. Which we're is at a war solid with the Middle East. At war, you know? yeah, we're at war with the Middle East. Why? Because we've always been at war with the Middle East. I think. <laughs> I think too. I don't like there's so many different ways to like embody these concepts and it's kind of crazy like how something that seems so simple and innocent like on a base level can Mm -hmm. like be so impactful like Banksy's like work for instance is like always very socially and like socially driven yeah Yeah. and like very deep work and like you know at its base you're just like oh that's a cool painting and Mm -hmm. then it's like wait what's the message here or whatever I am legend Will Smith. I've never read the novel that that's based on, but how the fuck is that for a social commentary? We create a vaccine. A weird time to bring that up. Now that I think about it, we create a vaccine that defeats cancer, turns the world into zombies. Is that? That's what the vaccine was for. It was a vaccine to end cancer. They'd finally figured out how to huh. kill cancer, but it also killed something else inside the people. I totally forgot yeah. that that was what it's, it's in like the first 30 seconds when they're doing the newsreels. I revisit that movie. That is a hell of a movie. Yeah. I Am Legend. People are like, it's a zombie film. No, it's about hubris. We thought we could defeat death. Death became us, and is, then he is alone in Manhattan. <laughs> is he the one that created the vaccine? Because I know he's trying to cure He's it trying to end. find the antibody to he reverse. Did create the original? No, it was the a woman at mm. the beginning because it's always women. Excuse <laughs> you. Films like that. The, the, the what's the other one about? Um, the women can't get pregnant, and then one of the women gets pregnant. Opens up with that car bomb scene with Clive Owen. Is it Child of Men or 
Children of Men. I have no idea what you're talking about. You've never seen that? Movie? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna it's go like with all... Blackfish because no. <laughs> you were you were mad at the end of Blackfish too. <laughs> no, I was like, like now all, you get what I mean. Like all of the women in the world, none of them can give birth, and then one of them gets pregnant, and it's like they're trying to basically figure out what's going on with her, you know, so that they can spread that and they can repopulate the planet, but the whole world is dying. And the opening shots him in a coffee shop and he huh. orders a coffee, then he walks out on the street and then the coffee shop explodes and that's You like, have shown me that scene. I've never seen yeah, that. Movie. Yeah, yeah. I think it's children of men. But stuff like that yeah. makes you think about what is it what is a pregnancy? You know, you got to blow these things, you know, out of what is literally going on in this shot. Blackfish, good example, documentary-wise, maybe the easiest place where you can find something that you can fight against, and the most hilarious thing that's ever happened to Missoula, Montana, because given the stimulus check, some dude bought a billboard out here, photoshopped his buddy's face on it, and called himself Mike Exotic, and it might be my favorite thing ever. <laughs> but no, Blackfish. Tiger uh, King. Tiger King. <laughs> 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 Fucking, uh, the, 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 the worst one I ever watched was about the rape of Nan King. Like, it, it, it was a documentary that moved me so much I almost threw up. I was eating while I was watching it, and I was like, this, this sucks. This is horrible. Like, you ever heard of the rape of Nan King? It's, it, you and I have talked about it, but I've never... Yeah, it was when the Japanese invaded China, if I remember mm. correctly. I, I believe Nan King is China. Um, but they went in there, and they raped and beheaded and murdered everybody. They fucking... They, it's one of the most disturbing things that I've ever read about, let alone watch a two-and-a-half-hour documentary where they're showing footage. And you're like, shit, they're going to kill the dude. By the end of it, you're like, I'm surprised anybody's still alive. The oh. Japanese should have run the world. They were fucked up during World War Two. <laughs> yeah, I might skip that one. Don't yeah, don't, don't do it. One. If you think the Holocaust is rough, do not look into the Japanese world war crimes. They gave us, like, penicillin and we forgave them. <laughs> they did some and I'm allergic to penicillin. Shit. They did some fucked up shit to the Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> so, no good for me whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, or the Oliver Stone, the history documentaries that we watched, where we're like, oh, shit, that completely reframes the way that I was thinking about that. Yeah. Documentary may be the easiest way to go about it. Yeah, because you can be a bit more direct i feel like when it's non-fiction like you can mm-hmm. just like overtly be like this is the issue here's what's happening yeah the gabriel uh the kid oh the, god we still gotta finish that one that one was heartbreaking like we, i thought we did no i was hoping because it no. just kept punching me in the soul yeah like no we were i think we're over halfway through with it yeah. but it was just so hard to watch like especially after like the he was locked in the cabinet and yeah nothing will make you want to jump off your couch and like Go get some shit done more than, like, watching innocent animals and kids and all kinds of shit being abused. So it's like... Activism like a motherfucker. How many vegans came out of those, like, food industry, you know, documentaries? Yeah, I have two vegan books because I tried. I, I intended yeah. to and then didn't yeah, They changed the world. Those, like, difficult concepts that we, we don't want to grapple with. And so I was reading that, and then I was reading this other thing that, you know, again, I didn't write down the name of the article, so good luck finding it, but it was on writer.com, a writer mag, um, that was talking about when you sit down to do your rough draft, because I'm in the middle of an edit that never fucking ends on the Nightmare Box book that I've written. Um... <laughs> When you sit down to do your rough draft, you have to block out the world. You know what Stephen King talks about in On Writing? He, he says, close the door 
forget that your reader exists. Write the story. Because if you think about the reader, you're going to think about what the reader wants, and you can never give a shit what the reader wants. Get the story out. And um, I realized that in these edits, I've been... What's the right... Editing myself, <laughs> I guess, uh, is the right way to put it. Um, a different person now, so there's going to be yeah. some self-reflection. This, this book's been a few years in the making. Yeah, since then. I've become a better writer. I've graduated school. You know, I've had major life changes. And... So you probably have different viewpoints on things now, too. Yeah. Because a lot so, of your life has changed. So the then. story is so far away from where I need it to be. But right now, um, it's just about typing it into the laptop because I lost my old laptop. It's a whole story. Go back and listen to the trilogy. <laughs> and you're failing to back these up. I'm so not good at things. But you're... Um, I was reading this article and it said, you know, a lot of people put these boundaries on because they're like, well, my, my mom reads that. She's going to think about me differently. And you have to be able to push those boundaries inside of your own work. Let it be, you know, writing or making a film or painting a picture. Um, you have to be able to hit that recess in your mind because who are you protecting? Like, are you protecting your protagonist or are you protecting yourself? Because you're afraid that your reputation is going to be ruined if some bare-breasted woman walks into the room in the middle of your story. You'd be like, my mom thinks that I'm a, you know, sexaholic or whatever. <laughs> Sex addict. <laughs> it's like, no, put that one there. You know, if you, if you need to kill a kid in your story, if you need a kid to be run over by a car, don't pitter-patter around that motherfucker. Dive into that shit. That's where it's at. I think, too, which kind of going back to the, like, taking in these meaningful works that have kind of heavier hitting topics when you go to do your own work, there has to be a level of self-reflection. Mm. Like, I, I think... And you can't disconnect yourself from your work. I mean, you're birthing it. It's like a from, mother and a son. From yeah. yourself in general. Like, I think my problem with a lot of the, like big movements and like I, I agree to an extent with some of the ideologies but like veganism for example mm -hmm. like it's, it's kind of a train people get on because they're like yeah it's like murder and blah 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 and like whenever I first like I guess started like reading stuff about it or like watching stuff about it like I kind of felt the same way like oh it is kind of cruel and like mm -hmm. like taking time to self-reflect and see how I really feel about it. Like it was more of a, the way we're doing it is cruel. Like if we live a mindset where we're like connected with yeah. our food and our lives and the planet and stuff like that and have well, meaningful yeah. Those documentaries didn't make me not want to eat meat. They were like, I want to get to a position where I can hunt yeah, and garden. And like make a know? meaningful connection. And then so then when you watch documentaries of, or read books or, you know, whatever you're consuming about like genocide or like these mm -hmm. horrible things like depression or whatever, you know, and then you go to write about it yourself. It, it can't be like, I'm going to kill a person because I want to kill a person. It's like, what's the meaning of this? Why and is like, this person yeah. having to die? And like, I've got an entire novel that I've not looked at since I hit the end on the page. It's a rough draft that's sitting there and the basic plot is vigilante against pedophiles yeah and it's fucked and i know it's fucked because my mom made it halfway through and said <laughs> this is fucked up and stopped reading it so <laughs> she goes it's well written i can't get through this There's a, every chapter shit gets worse <laughs> i was a little angry when he was yeah. writing that well, day. that's the one thing i can't stand is people touching kids which is why I, you know, am having trouble ever getting back to editing that one. It Do you needs... think it was a little too literal? It was very on the nose. 
<laughs> very, very on the nose. I had a dude with, um, what do you call it? I can't think of it now, but it's got the handle with the spike that comes through. Uh, a meat thermometer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sticks that in a dude's eye, just starts punching him in the eye with the meat thermometer. Probably didn't feel it good. went on for about 10 pages, and my mom was very sensitive about eyes, so she was... <laughs> yeah, I'm sensitive about yeah. gore, so I probably he, won't be yeah, reading he that He killed either. a man with a meat thermometer in front of the man's family. Um, but that's the point of the novel, is that he is a vigilante-esque character because of his own personal demons, goes on this rampage against pedophiles in this place that he lives... Um, and then becomes a serial killer of sorts, dives into his own darkness, trying to overcome this. It, it, it's, it, it works, but it's fucked up. <laughs> it is not lightly written. This is not, oh, and then, you know, like there's... And then a, there was a rainbow in the No, sky. there's a detailed description in like the first chapter about being raped by a clown. So... <laughs> Weird aside, but... Never been raped by a clown, but I had to imagine that. (laughs) Weird aside, but because you brought up your mom, like, having a thing about eyes, do you have any, like, one particular thing where you're like, ooh, that one kind of bugs me a bit? It's the kids. The the kids are the only There's no, like, specific body part or, like, specific thing where you're kind of like, ooh, that's a bit, that's a bit much for me. Like, mine's fingernails. I don't know why fingernails Like, ripping them out? Yeah. Yeah. Like, any horror no, movies where you see, like, someone dragging and then a nail breaks or, like, whenever When I was, did. like, ten, I went barefoot walking uh, through the Stones River and slipped on a rock and lost my big toenail. And so, I felt what that's like. It sucks a shitload. It looks weird and it bleeds a lot, but, you know, yeah, or I, like I could deal with it. Yeah, like, when we watched Truth or Dare and they ripped out our finger and I was like, nope. Nope on that one. Problems. <laughs> God, nails bother me so much for some reason. Nope. Bodily. Um, I think the only thing that's ever fucked me up bodily. Sorry, this is a weird aside. No, I, I watched wondering. a video from the cartel where they cut off all the dude's limbs and he was still alive. But that's real world. And so it's meant to be super fucked up. And I was nauseated by it because he doesn't die. They cut off all four of his you know limbs and then take his head off and shoot his body to shit. Um, so that sucked. And then there was a video on uh, best gore about a guy who chops his own testicles off with a hatchet. Why? And because it was a funny prank I used to play with my friends. No, why did he do it? Uh, he was a transsexual person doing PCP, and he said, "Fuck this, I can handle this myself." Oh, so he, yeah, that's not he, the move. Yeah, so at one point he's having to dig around inside of himself with his fingers to find the other nut. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. You're welcome, listener. Okay. Uh, Yeah, those are my two things. After you've seen those types of videos, like I've seen the old beheading videos, I've I've seen people die in real life, you know? (laughs) Eyes do bug me a bit too, but yeah, fingernails is my problem. (laughs) You like fingernails, and I'm like, yeah, uh, anybody trying to hack their nuts off with a hatchet, that's uh, that's my line. It's not a a fun day. You have to go pretty far down the road to figure out where I go, huh? There's not a lot of ah, in my life. It's just a lot of up. Oh, that's interesting to look at. <laughs> You're about to watch a dude lose his legs. Scarface. But it's not fingernails. So <laughs> now the leg, eh? I feel like you're a little. I feel like you're a little sensitive when I get hurt because I could, like cut myself or something one time, and you were like, "Oh, like." Listen. No, I'm sensitive to real world shit. Like I'm not a sociopath. 
Brett has no feelings. Yeah, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, if anything, I'm leaking with empathy, and I have to hold it back a lot of the times. But um, no, but violence doesn't bug me. I, I don't want to be like melodramatic or like all angsty or shit, but I've been around violence my entire life. So it's, you really have to get fucked up before I'm like, that's fucked up. <laughs> Grew up watching horror films. Saw Saving Private Ryan like the day it came out. That was like 97. So I was six. That dude gets blown in half and his guts are all over the sand and they're trying to save him. And then right, you know, Right as the dude who gets his guts blown out is dying, he's like, fuck! And then he sits up and gets shot through the fucking head. <laughs> Vin Diesel time. gets gunned down. It's a whole situation. People forget Vin Diesel was in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I totally don't remember him being in that either. He's the dude who gets hit by the sniper and is bleeding out in the middle of the street because he wanted to save the family in the blown out building. So Vin Diesel gets hit by the sniper and then the snipers get into the war and he shoots the other dude through the scope and blows the back of his head off. I do off. remember that. Yeah, Vin Diesel's the dude that is laying in the ground going, guys, help! And they're like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> like, quit pointing at us! We're trying to kill this motherfucker so we can save you! <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen! <laughs> Vin Diesel Saving Private Ryan Triple X and Fast and the Furious <laughs> Yeah now he does like kid movies like I think he did like Tooth Fairy or something like that no where shit. he played a Tooth Fairy like he does very <laughs> very kid friendly movies although I will give him credit The best at kid friendly movies is Ice Cube <laughs> The motherfucker did Cop Killer and then he was like <laughs> I will give him credit He's like doing RV movies with Chris Tucker <laughs> The original is way better, but they remade Jumanji mm -hmm. and, um, oh wait, that's not Vin Diesel, that's The Rock. Never mind. You're a racist. Never mind. Vin Diesel doesn't. the same kind of person. <laughs> Vin, Diesel, Vin Diesel doesn't do kid movies. Never mind. That's The Rock. <laughs> like they're both just tan and built. <laughs> okay, but like. One's Samoan, no. one is white. <laughs> okay, but Vin Diesel body is also is like a very large like yeah. buff dude who you would not imagine doing these ridiculous roles and they remade Jumanji and um, the original is a million times better cinematically but the Isn't remake... it Robin Williams in the original? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can't touch that. It's, well it's much more of a like drama and you're Speaking like... Speaking of movies you can't touch. Can't touch anything Robin Williams <laughs> ever did. Good luck making Wait, good... Quit interrupting me let me finish. I'm sorry I'm wound um, up. <laughs> No, like, they redid Jumanji and The Rock is in it, and it's actually pretty funny. Like, Jack Black's in it as well, and it's actually, it's dumb, but it's actually kind of funny. I haven't so. seen it. It's, uh, for a, a, a fun, dumb movie laugh, it's a decent watch, but the original is way better, so. But I agree, can't touch Robin Williams. Good, good luck remaking Goodwill Hunting without Ben Affleck at that age, Matt Damon at that age, and Robin Williams as that therapist. There's nothing. You're never going to be able to make Goodwill. He did a lot of really dramatic movies that tug at your heartstrings. He did like a horror being... film. He did a horror film? Yeah, uh, Next Day Photo or whatever that movie was called where he played the guy who worked at the Walgreens. He played that. a murderer. Huh. Yeah, he was. He developed photos at a Walgreens and then the family would bring all the pictures and he became obsessed with the wife of the household. I think I've seen a trailer for it. That sounds familiar, yeah. but I don't think and I've seen it. And he played in Insomnia, I think it was. Where it's all shot in Alaska. That one's a little blurry. That might be Al Pacino. 
Robin Williams and Al Pacino. No, it might be Al Pacino. It might be Al Pacino and Robin Williams. Like oh. I, I want to say, Pacino plays the cop and he plays the killer in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, like the, the where you only get like one hour of night in Alaska for like six months, and they both lose their mind simultaneously. Hmm. Pacino was a badass. Should check that out. Uh, Pacino. Robin Williams was badass. <laughs> These beers are kicking me in the ass. <laughs> he also had a soda today, and that probably didn't help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> half of a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's still in the fridge, in case I want another half of a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I do not do sugar well. I need to get tested for diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really consume sugar, so your body's not used to it. No, I drink a shitload of beer every day, so I consume a like, fair amount of sugar. <laughs> Christ, what's wrong with you? Get your life together. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> That'll forever be my favorite thing that has ever happened. I don't even remember. Okay, so Brett and I were, what were we watching? What were we even doing? I don't remember anything except Getting that. hammered. That's what we yeah, were doing. Yeah, we were sitting on the couch. I was now. ranting about something and then I, I, you ever had an idea pop in your head and you don't have the words to explain it right away? <laughs> We were watching something. We were sitting on the couch together, and he like just probably pauses. too hot to handle. No, let's no let's doubt. end this on a high note. You know, I things you could this... definitely try again. Try that again. That was terrible. You picked it. Yeah. You picked it. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted I, to watch dumb reality that. TV just to that. see what bothered the American mind. Why is everybody freaking out? <laughs> oh, because this is what they're watching. No, I think it was that psychedelic show. I think that's why we ended up having to like finish the yeah. last 20 a different day. Have a good trip. We just, yeah, like got so sidetracked, but you paused it and like he looked over at me and he just all of a sudden out of nowhere was, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, I don't even remember what we talked about. You have never. In two and a half years, called me dude. <laughs> no, we never got to what I was talking about, and I, in all likelihood, forgot what I was because we giggled. So hard. Yeah, on the floor, fucking tears streaming down my face. Lost my shit, <laughs> dude. Wait, why did I say that? It's like, what did you just call me? <laughs> you have titties. Why am I calling you dude? <laughs> God damn, Brad's ridiculous. I know. Um. Let me see if I got any extra notes to kind of segue out this bit. Uh, your rough draft is just your stone. Like a, that was a thought that I had while I was reading those articles. Your stone. It was something I tried to explain to Arroyo. God bless Fred Arroyo. Go out there, go buy his book. Uh, my professor uh, for my creative writing classes I had for about a year. Great guy, great author. Go buy that shit. Um, he was trying to explain to us, you know, that the rough draft is the easiest part of the writing process, which it, it sounds simple. If you've done multiple rough drafts, it is the easiest part. It's why I have three rough drafts in my satchel right now, and I have to edit them. <laughs> it's the most fun part. It's what everybody wants to do. The edits are the part that, you know, slowly kill your competition. Um, but your rough draft is your stone. You know, everybody thinks that you get your stone, like your idea, you know, like imagine your idea is a big brick of marble, right? And you've got to like chip away and make things. People think that your rough draft, you know, the idea 
that guides the rough draft is the stone. But the stone is having the rough draft. So nothing that happens before the final copy of the rough draft matters at all. And your rough draft is not your baby. It's not what you want it to be. It is a mess. It's going to be a mess every time. Nobody except fucking L. Ron Hubbard ever came up with a good thing the first go through. It sucks. It's terrible. You need distance. Uh, write another rough draft. Write another rough draft. Go back to the first rough. <laughs> now you've got a block of marble and you need to make a sculpture. So you have to chip away at it. But as you're chipping away, don't throw those things that you're cutting out of your rough draft. Like I found myself a lot trying to correct grammar, you know, at this stage where at this point I should just be killing whole chapters. I should be like, well, your backstory, you don't matter. But you don't delete them. You save as, you know, as opposed to save. You keep that part of your story. Never get rid of anything. Like you can recycle it away. Um, maybe it'll make sense later, you know, uh, in something else, you know. I've got a couple of scenes that I've done that with where I'm like, well, you know, that doesn't really work with the nightmare box that I'm trying to write. Um, but that could work, you know, a little on down the line. So your rough draft is your block. So if you're out there and you're writing, and you're like, oh, I'm stuck on chapter four. Fuck chapter four. Write chapter five. You'll come up with chapter four later. <laughs> and don't think that it's supposed to come out perfect. Just get it on the page. And then join me in the headache of staring at hundreds of pages of paper and not knowing what the fuck to do with them. <laughs> because they're terrible every single line. If it's any consolation, movies are quite a bit like that as well. Um... It's, it's fun to shoot. It's a bastard to edit. I've watched you edit. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass to shoot as well. But yeah, uh, every time I've ever shown Brett, which maybe that's not good practice to be showing my roughs, but every time I've ever shown Brett... I like seeing them because I don't understand them. So I (laughs) like like to learn the step. Anytime I've ever shown Brett one of my roughs, though, it's been like, okay, so let's ignore the pacing and let's ignore the color and ignore the audio. (laughs) Kind of ignore everything, actually, but this is sort of what it's going to look like, but also not really. (laughs) It's not going to look as grainy. I'm going to pop the color here and there. <laughs> the pacing's so wrong, but you kind of, yeah. not really, maybe get yeah. an By idea. By the time you show me something, it's mostly like, I need to cut this three seconds. I need to cut that two seconds. Like, you don't show me just the raw footage. You've, mm-hmm. you've kind of started cutting it together. But uh, I would never make you read a rough draft. <laughs> Because I'll have a whole chapter, which I've found in this one, and I'm guilty as fucking sin. I didn't realize I did it, because when I was writing the rough, I thought that it made sense. Um, I have whole chapters detailing my main character's relationship with his family individually, uh, where I'm going to eventually take all of that information, compress the fuck out of it, and be like, okay, well, I can show you by what's happening in the story everything that I thought was going to take 6,000 words, compress it down to a paragraph and a half, and keep the story moving. I've I've been typing it in, and I've had to keep typing it in because I need it all in a computer file so that I can, you know, do my second round of edits on it. Um... But I've got like three chapters that I'm typing up where I'm like, these are not going in here because I've removed myself from the immediacy of the story for three chapters. 
unacceptable. <laughs> if anything, one chapter. You know, dive out, dive back in. If you need backstory. But you don't need that much backstory. You meet an interesting person at a bar. You don't need to know what happened to them when they were seven years old for them to be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. This felt like it was all over the place, but this is maybe the most fun I've had doing a podcast in a long time. But we're coming up on time. We're going to go watch Scarface. I'm going to get drunk and eat chicken wings. <laughs> but you can find us at Facebook over at... Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Or Instagram at... At Nightmare Box Productions. Or twiddle over there to your twat. To Twitter. <laughs> at Nightmare Box Productions. <laughs> <laughs> or you can go to YouTube.com slash Kristen Pennington where you can see all the beautiful things Kristen's done. You're going to see our new film that's just coming up very soon. I'm so excited for the next homework assignment. It's going to so be our best one, yeah. The one that I still need to write is, I, I'm blown away by the concept. I think it's the perfect film for where we are right now. I can't fucking wait. I just need to sit down and get it typed up. But it exists in that in brain. Dome. I'm wearing a wedding ring. Why did I slap <laughs> Oh, no. That hurts. It's a titanium ring. Uh, or you can go on to YouTube.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. And you can watch the dolls. You can watch Happy Birthday. I definitely have a, a bruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the Nightmare Box oh where you can see the films we've done together. You can read the scripts for those films. You can read Brett's short stories. Eventually, we'll put Brett's book back on the website. <laughs> but um, until then, you can go to Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or eBay. Look up the Madman Diaries, a collection. Jesus, fuck, I <laughs> stung myself. With my... that, that, I'm never getting in a fist fight again. I'm just going to slap somebody in the dome with my fucking... <laughs> ring. My, my ring is solid as shit. Um, yeah, you can buy it on any of those. Um, if you want an autograph copy, just send us the email, and uh, we'll figure out how to do that. That's Nightmare Box Productions at Gmail. Yeah, and I, I would honestly prefer that you just do that and we'll figure out, you know, how the payment works out. Because I'm going to charge you $10 and I'll ship it to you. So even if I lose money, if it costs me $12 to get it to you, I'll fucking send it to you for 10 So, you know, hit us up. Let us know what's going on. I'll get you a copy of it. I recently spilled beer on a few of them. So $15 if you want one that I spilled a beer on. <laughs> <laughs> personalized touch from our little place of heaven out here in Missoula, Montana. Did we get them all? Yeah. I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you guys. And uh, say goodnight to the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> now the leg, eh?